On today's episode of Chaos and Shadow, we recount the tale of a downed UFO and a creature that haunted Braxton County, West Virginia. Today, we talk about the Flatwoods Monster and the strange occurrence that surrounded this case. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a new episode of Chaos and Shadow. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. Pagan, how are you today? I am good. How are you doing? I am doing very well, because we are talking the Flatwoods Monster, and this is a case that I am very new to. To set the scene lightly, we're going to do a little housekeeping, but to set the scene lightly, this is a 1950s UFO case where an unidentified object was seen coming down over a farm field. Kids saw it, grabbed their mom, went to investigate, and a whole bunch of mayhem comes out of it. This is a tale that started as a a, a truth and over the years has snowballed into a lot of legend, very similar to how we discussed Indrid Cold. This one has a lot of the, well, I should say this case has key players, witnesses, that are still alive to testify to it today. So throughout, we're going to be referencing a small town's small town monster documentary called uh, "The Flatwoods Monster: Legacy of Fear," which I really enjoyed. Highly recommend. Pagan, you got to see mm-hmm. that one too, right? Forty five minutes. I of did. Awesome. It is very very awesome. I mean, all small town monster stuff is really great. So highly recommend that their stuff. Absolutely. This one has some really cool animations to it that I dug. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, the Flatwoods Monster. That's the other thing I'll say. Check out the vault notes we'll have for this. Check out the Flatwoods Monster in general online. It's got a very distinct shape to it that we're going to go into as well. I think you will want a visual because this one is not your typical case of greys or other aliens. This one has its own museum dedicated to it, which I love. Uh, But before we get into all of that goodness, the housekeeping I mentioned, I want to shout out Zombri right off the top. Zombri helped us put together the uh, vault notes for today's episode. She brought together a lot of the research. Pagan took that research, combined it together, and is making wonderful notes out of it that will include photos and further investigation points that you can use to dive deeper into it, including our research. This case does have a couple outcroppings of sightings that we're not going to include in all this, but they're interesting enough to dive into that Mm -hmm. being said pagan we also have our volunteer program which has been a massive success again zombie being part of that so if you're interested revelatornetwork.com forward slash volunteer uh that is also kind of breaking off and splintering off into us creating an esp group which we're going to talk about a lot more towards the end i don't want to belabor the point now But if you're interested in exploring kind of the astral plane, if you're interested in exploring like higher consciousness, even like we're kind of going both a combination of the mystical and the scientific. I've been really Mm -hmm. turned on to a lot of these CIA reports and stuff where they paid psychologists a lot of money to dive into these topics. We're going to be using some of those meditation tapes that came out of it and similar things. We got a great group of people. If that at all sounds interesting to you as a participant or an observer let us know. That is going to get tied in with one of our membership programs up on the website, too. So you can submit through the volunteer form. Uh, definitely get into our Gilded, our, our chatting space where we're planning some movie nights and stuff. That's gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Get ready to get involved. More details at the end. But for now, 
Let's talk about Braxton County and this monster, Pagan. Yes, the Braxton County monster, as they originally had called it. Indeed. So you might see that flying around online. Our story begins in 1952. It's the evening of September 12th when Ed and Fred May, plus their friend Tommy Heyer, see a large glowing red-orange flying light across the sky. The light then comes down in the field of their neighbor, Mr. Fisher. This all takes place, it takes place around 7.15 p.m. So it's a little bit in the evening, September, so it's probably getting dusk outside, having lived around that region. Uh, You know, summer's kind of coming to a close, seeing something big and fiery shoot across the sky. You're not going to miss this. They run back (laughs) to the Mays' home to find the mom, Kathleen May. After giving her the story, like a true, true trooper, she decides she's going to join them in this endeavor of finding whatever has crashed. I, I don't know if you agree or not, Pagan, but this that that investigative vibe uh, reminds me a lot of what we talked about with the Exeter incident and such up uh, mm-hmm. on the northeastern coast of the United States, because that was around New, New Hampshire, I believe. They were all trying to like spot the thing, hide from it, dive into ditches. It was, it felt very <laughs> like small town. Well, it sounds very small town monsters to use the name of our yes. friend's thing. <laughs> yeah, it's that vibe of running around chasing a mystery through the woods. Does it- I also have to give Kathleen a, a total wonderful shout out as a mom because I don't know how many moms, if you went in and told them this story, how many moms would actually grab, you know, the kids and be like, well, yeah, let's go check it out. Right. Not many. My mother wouldn't. My mother would be like, no, you stay home. Mm-mm. We're not going there. <laughs> right. And more than that, they grab. They, they, it's not just the crew, the four of them. So, right. We got Kathleen, the mom. We got Ed and Fred, her children. And we got Tommy Hire. Then we pick up Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver, other kids in the area. And these are about these guys are about 10 to 14 years old. There's some photos with uh, the group there. They also grab West Virginia National Guardsman Eugene Lemon, who uh, I think around the time he was probably around like 18 ish, maybe early 20s. He was uh, involved and got ready to go out with this group. We're going to see a little bit more National Guard activity around the corner. But they also take the town dog with them, the community dog. The group reaches this top of the hill where Nunley recounts saying they saw a pulsing red light where Lemon then aimed the flashlight in a direction where he momentarily saw a tall, quote, man-like figure with a round red face surrounded by a pointed hood-like shape. So again, man-like figure, red face surrounded by a hood-like shape. Pagan, Kind of reminds me of like a teardrop or maybe even a leaf, huh? Yeah, it's in the imagery that I've seen of it. It looks like a combination between a humanoid and a plant. It's kind of bizarre. It's also reported to have a putrid odor that comes Mm -hmm. out around that area. So that's that's just something I we've seen that before in cases where people have mentioned a smell this one being in such proximity to this creature is is very interesting because that causes people to claim some illness comes about. Right off the bat, we'll just cut cut down a myth where there's a statement that the town dog that went with them died. Small Town Monsters speaks with Ed and Fred May. Uh, that is not what happened, per their words. They say that that is 
fabrication as well. They warn that some of the sickness that accompanied it can be fabrication as well. Uh, also, that the green eyes that get attributed to it later also just for the sake of selling papers. As I mentioned off the top, this case is one that has really grown into the legends category where very similar to injured cold. It starts as an encounter between a couple people and an entity they don't know. By the time the newspaper gets it, it is turned into a monster, effectively. Mm-hmm. The newspapers are very good at turning it normal. Well, I wouldn't say normal, but non-frightening or non-threatening situations that may not actually have been terrible situations into something that was incredibly awful. Well said. And, you know, we, we see that a lot with the Indrick Cold case where he... There were rumors that he ended up becoming the smiling man and he had ulterior motives as the legend went on. And, you know, if you read the book, that's not the case. Uh, Injured Cold has become the person that I try and reach out to now and I do like a meditation thing. So for anyone that's trying to do that, you figure if, if any bit of that story is accurate, even if we can... I'm getting out there on the limb for people that don't follow our super high strangeness. But if you're into PK manifestations and tulpas and all that stuff, you should theoretically be able to jam a bunch of energy and create your own injured cult that might be able to save the galaxy. So maybe consider that, folks. But uh, I've, I've genuinely tried to reach out through through that means. My other one that's coming to my mind, Pagan, which uh, we're going to see way more through that ESP group, is I'm very interested to see if we can ever make connection with Jim Channon who's the one behind the first earth battalion who believes that the army should be all about like spreading love and not killing things that we run into. So he's the one that pioneered that ESP group that we're going about. He just passed away about three years ago. I think maybe 2017, 2018 window, um, heart attack ages, late seventies, but really, really pioneering. This is a guy that, you know, held an army position for eight plus years that actually was paid to do ESP work and all that and help develop a program where, again, we meet people with hugs instead of guns. So I'm like, if I could tap into that guy's spirit in any way, shape or form, <laughs> that's the en- that's the energy I want out there in the world. Right. right? Hug- hugs and less bullets towards our, our neighboring humans. Yes, please. So anyway, back back to the point. I'm just saying there's a lot of good out there. Tap into cool people. Injured cold's cool. Uh, this monster, though, again, gets this scary report. So Kathleen May also describes as having these small claw-like hands, clothing like folds to it. So it's got this like flowing gown almost. Uh, it, it's reported as hovering because some say that it hovered as high as like 15 feet into the trees. Uh, they said the head resembled that of an ace of spades. Beyond that, there becomes a slight color variation that gets introduced. So Kathleen says the monster uh, is green in color. But then, like we said a minute ago, we had Eugene Lemon saying what? That it was a was Eugene the one that let me let me check my notes here a second ago. I think he was the one that attributed some of it to being red faced. Yeah. Oh, is that? Yeah. Lemon said it had a red face. So we got green. Mm -hmm. We got red. We're getting a little bit of a confusion right off the bat. Uh, others say that it was described as having a shiny metallic black look. According to the witnesses, though, after merely a few seconds of seeing the creature, it seemed to notice them and began its gliding towards them while making a hissing sound. I bet you that's where a lot of that fear comes into play. Mm-hmm. Is we as humans do not like when things hiss and come our direction in the <laughs> night. Let's see what else. You know- yeah, continue, I was going to say, when it, with the, the hissing, though, 
you know, the, this creature is obviously not of our world. Uh-huh. Maybe that's the only way it knows how to communicate. Maybe that's its cry for help. Um, I, it's one of those things that I, the more we study these otherworldly creatures and the more we learn about them, the more I really kind of am reaching out to that whole, perhaps, yes, there's not all of them out there that are, you know, coming here with good intentions, but at the same time, there's so many others that seem to be reaching out with good intentions. And I don't know. I don't know if the Flatwoods monster was actually mean. Maybe it just needed help. I would. Uh, the, mm, so again, first battalion thing I was just watching, they bring up a point that's not original, but it is one that always comes to mind, which is if these aliens really did want to harm us with the technology they have, it would seem like they have an you know, a no brainer, right? From from what we mm-hmm. hear, if they can run circles around our military, then by all accounts, they could just blast us out of existence if that was their intent. This story is stoked with Korean War paranoia, similar mm-hmm. to the Battle of Los Angeles that you and I brought up in a show not long ago. That put everyone on a hair trigger, so they were as as local, you know, militia groups, military facets, all that on the coast, were really quick to fire at whatever was in the sky, not even having confirmation of it. Now we're talking like, well, we're talking West Virginia, too, that has a history of things. (laughs) It's hard to even summarize. (laughs) Aerial phenomena. We've talked about that Native Americans, apparently, I, I always worry how much of this gets corrupted in the colonialism lore, But we hear accounts that Native Americans were already shy of the West Virginia area due to curses and things that made that Mm -hmm. land not super pleasant. Uh, You combine all of this together. This is before the Mothman case, just so for people that are interested in that one. We are not far from Mothman. However, we are, what are we at, 52 right now? And the Silver Bridge is in 67 is the collapse. So we are a little over a decade plus between those events. However, the lights in the sky are happening all the time. That's a that's a phenomenon we still hear about today. It's yes. yeah. So these people are a bit primed, like I said, between the war and between the creepiness of the local area already. They are primed to maybe believe that whatever's coming down is hostile. As I mentioned briefly, we as humans are also really trained that when things are hissing at us, that's really scary just by earth standards. Because even your friendly cat, <laughs> if your cat's hissing yeah. at you, you're probably going to be bleeding in the next couple seconds from experience. <laughs> if um, Even if you're just trying to say hi and they're pissy. So <laughs> it makes me wonder. Uh, it makes me feel like that in the night would have really set them off. Mm-hmm. And that that's very valid because we also are a fairly young culture as well so you know as far as it comes with animals hissing at us we freak out um and you know you also hear about like in demonology and demonic lore about uh, those creatures also hissing at us and it's like warnings so if that kind of thing is continued on throughout the years i could totally understand why they probably freaked out if something that looked like that was hissing at me i probably (laughs) at least step back quite a bit yeah (laughs) Well, further further discrepancies here, too, because when it comes to what all is seen in height, I'm pulling this from the Flatwoods monster abroad, not just this particular sighting. But the shape of the monster sometimes gets described as that of a heavyset man. 
other times gets described as being up to 17 feet tall. Park some of the floating stuff. So we we see a lot of art on this case, too. Obviously, interpretations of it. That art has the monster being very, very large in comparison to a person. One of these pieces of art is notoriously famous. We'll get to that in just a second. But one of these pieces of art that set it all off is it was actually revealed right around Kathleen May and Eugene Lemon. So to, to close up the night itself, uh, understandably terrified, Eugene Lemon drops his flashlight. The group begins to flee. They smell that pungent mist sort of thing. Several of them had their like nausea bouts later. Um, we even have a note in here that says sickness was claimed to be falsified by newspaper sales, but it could have been caused by the smell. So again, that's that's legend-like. Uh, when the area was searched, though, the next night after the group ran home and contacted the police, we're going to have some more details about other sightings the police had that evening, but nothing of significance came to be noted. There was skid marks found and a gummy substance that was never identified there's also accounts that the national guard formally was dispatched uh to go in there with the air force the following day i believe under captain levitt and Mm -hmm. round up something (laughs) i want to dive further into that one in the future like what specifically happened but per small town monsters information Per the witnesses in the area, they just say that the Air Force came in, cordoned off an area, was looking for something, and whatever they found or didn't find, they were on their way. Yeah, I and you know, uh, it's kind of funny though that we we talk about this. It, it really has those X File vibes, very much. So anybody who is a X Files fan, if you have ever watched any of the episodes where anything supposedly lands on Earth, the Air Force comes in and they contain it. Yep. To the best of their ability. Uh, and that's kind of how this feels. <laughs> exactly how it feels. In a future episode, I would love to dive deeper, or maybe that's something just for the blog in general. I'd love mm-hmm. to dive into the reality of a lot of these side claims. So that, again, goes to be a desperate play. If anyone does want to get involved as a volunteer to do some more of this legwork, as we build out the Revelator Network, I, I'd like us to have a comprehensive database of some of these claims that we could look back at. I find documentaries, articles, all kinds of stuff will say something to the effect of, quote, UFOs had been sighted in the, the area for decades, end quote. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, like we say with West Virginia, there's a lot of truth to that. However, there's also the idea that if we go around saying, oh, decades, decades of claims, decades of claims, and that's all we say, and we don't have meat to that, it always makes me feel a little naked, if you will, because I'm like, but I can't go back and tell you about those claims. I don't have right. the reports that they were actually real or documented. All I can say is, quote, there were claims. So that's where I say we could, I'd love to get in on that more, Pagan. I don't know about you, but collecting that I information, let's do it. it would be great to actually be able to do that and then you know to see how many of those claims overlap with other nearby areas you know we we saw that when we in our previous episodes when we looked at the northeast a lot of the claims seem to overlap and i would really like to see if this area those claims overlap you know, if we continue to do this and we continue to find those informations and find all of the reports, that would be super cool. Mm. Super, super cool. 
I have thoughts on how we could do some of this stuff. So again, reach out to us if you want to help, because that would be a large endeavor that cannot be done very quickly. But it would be a really cool long project to get into. And I would mm-hmm. be totally amped. Closing out the specifics of this case, though. So we mentioned that there was some some Air Force slash National Guard activity. The next, or the following, like shortly after we talked, the newspaper starts spinning this all up. Eugene Lemon and Kathleen May... Uh, get invited up to New York to appear on the TV show, We the People. It's where the term green-eyed monsters gets introduced, as well as this extraordinarily famous uh, rendition of the monster. Again, check those vault notes for it. We see this starts to to fuel the the just the animosity around it, the, the negative vibes around this monster, the, the scariness and the hysteria. Uh, and there are many perspectives on what or who it may have been. The Air Force widely accepted theory is that it was a meteor that the boys saw sidestepping what all the other people witnessed, citing that it's just more hysteria uh, to the theory that the Flatwoods monster is you know, just connected to what will in the future be the Mothman. Like that's we see these just big lumps of, oh, hysterics led people to do it. And, and I find those claims often require more suspensions of disbelief in the monster crashing itself because we have to discount the skid marks and seven people witnessing it and a couple of those people being trustworthy mm-hmm. figures i should also mention i didn't say this sooner but kathleen may is an extremely well uh liked figure in the community she is not mm-hmm. considered someone who has fringe beliefs or anything of that nature people people had every intention and inclination to trust her in this one yes it's a it's one, like I said, Pagan, I want to dive deeper in the future, but I think for you and I, we have to leave this case in in a kind of acute spot where we want to raise awareness of it. We want to dive into more of these cases. It should be noted that the people involved are passing away due to age. Mm-hmm. It is one that even the May kids themselves, uh, back to respecting the people that you're talking to and respecting people's privacy, the May kids recognize that this will never be resolved more than likely like they saw what they saw there's no more to this story in particular like it is technically a cold case very much so unlike the mothman right we talked to tobias and emily and they said this stuff is still Mm -hmm. happening small town monster these these things are still going on flatwoods though i'm sure you could find a witness or two that might attest to it it sounds like the meat of this encounter came and went in 1952 has an extremely loving fan base that keeps the flatwood monsters lore legend uh, uh and also dare i say i don't want to use the word franchise but like they've created something for the flatwoods monster there's so much art and media yes um it's just gorgeous so that's almost why i want to say he's become his own little mini franchise in his own it's so cute the documentary highlights some of that stuff the museum highlights it uh we'll probably highlight a little bit of that here and there but what do you think pagan this was just a, a heck of a cute case and I would love to visit this museum someday. I would too. And I love that this kind of now folklore, it's that's what it's become, has continued to be a point of keeping a community alive. If it probably wasn't for the Flatwoods Monster, this probably itty bitty little town would just kind of have faded into obscurity. And the Flatwood Monster is what's keeping it alive. It's a tourist destination now because of it. So rock on, Flatwoods Monster, for, you know, showing up, scaring the crap out of some people. And now you have become famous. 
Congratulations. I, I would completely agree. <laughs> we got the same going on with Champ that we talked about before. Champ is mm-hmm. one that got loved by the, the community uh, up near Lake Champlain or in Lake Champlain. So Champ's up there rocking it, being mascots for teams. Seems like the Flatwood Monster is also holding it down in West Virginia. I love, like you said, these small town monsters save communities a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. It's what I think keeps Point Pleasant bumping as well. I just saw a friend yeah. that um, safely went out there after getting his vaccine, all all COVID masked up and stuff. And he did the little tour of what he could outside with Point Pleasant, uh, left an offering oh. at the little Mothman statue. And uh, I really dig it. So take that's care. Awesome. Take care of our stuff that's out there, folks. Uh, take care of our, our monuments to all of them. Uh, there is kind of a, a general warning as we segue into kind of the ending here of the show, which is I was just talking to you, Pagan, the other night uh, and one of our volunteers, Alex, saying that some of those websites that are out there that have really good information on historical things or otherwise that might be like s- single person hosted, some of those are going away and need to be <laughs> archived through the Wayback Machine or people saving those things locally on their computers, which is more to the individual, but it's also a little safer in some some ways. Uh, the one that's coming to my mind is I was looking at some blueprints of the uh, the Blackbird plane created by, uh, I think that's Lockheed Martin made that one, and I was using it for some of our, our imagery. I noticed that one of the pilots or engineers had their own website to it and that that person passed away in 2014 or so meaning their website is someday going to shut down. It's not a big hosted one. It's not like this guy's stuff is on Facebook. It's just his own local domain that he has up. Whenever that stops getting hosted and published, a lot of that art, blueprints, history from someone that actually lived this history is going to get sucked into a black void that no one will know to look for it, which is just terribly sad to me. So if you're someone out there that finds this sort of stuff, Again, this one actually told me in the footer, you could tell it was one of those older sites that was maintained by someone that had a different style, a different age of their art design. They actually listed down there when it was last updated and last maintained and all that. And then I was very easy able to find his obituary. And yeah, so just just take care to save this history, because I think a lot of the work that we've been putting out there on the internet can very easily go to waste. I also found this the other day with a forum I used to frequent that I was going back to find a weird occult post from years ago and the whole forum was just gone because again, domain names stopped being paid for, all that jazz. So just all these cases and things that I I wanted to kind of reference on occasion just into the void. So be careful out there, folks that are fellow investigators. We need to keep our backups of stuff. The digital thing might seem infinite, but again, if it comes down to a domain name being unpaid for, that's the void. That is the void, and we do not want everything to go to the void. And not only that, you know, talking, going back to bringing it back to the Flatwoods monster, mm-hmm. these kinds of cases, these small town monsters, the more we share their stories, the more we keep them alive. And if we don't do that, then eventually they will fade into the void just like everyone else because nobody will be there to maintain the story or the museum or anything like that. And it will just become obsolete. And we don't want that to happen to any of these cases. They were significant at one point in time to people that experienced them. And they may not be very modern, but we should continue to respect them and share them. Agreed, Pagan. 
I think that's the most important thing we can do with them. And they often are used mm-hmm. for telling very good lessons as, as well. So I think there's a lot of yes. good in that. Uh, now, this segues us to a couple little things. One, if you're able to leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Podchaser, that would be amazing. I'm looking to highlight some of these on the website. Leave that up there. Give us a little uh, what you like about the show, most of all. And if you could, leave in that comment what you'd like us to see cover next. Monster-wise, haunting-wise, UFO case-wise. You let us know what you want to see in that five-star review. And if you leave it there, I guarantee you, first of all, we're going to look at it and and, and maul that over. And, and we're probably going to get those onto the radar coming up soon. This is a very busy spring-summer for us. As you probably noticed, I didn't call this all at the top of the show. Uh, both of our interviews in the month of April got set back because of guest schedules. That didn't end up happening the way uh, we originally intended it to. So Tanya Derenberger sent her amazing vibe. She was in the hospital, not feeling super well. So please, please, please keep her in your good thoughts. And our friend Katie Webb wasn't able to make hers. So keep her in your thoughts as well. We're probably going to get to do both of those interviews in the future, hopefully by summertime. Mm-hmm. But um, with our schedule being the way it is, we do have some other ones lined up for you that are going to be amazing. Laura Tempest-Zakrov is going to be on here in the episode that airs on the 19th of April. She's going to be talking mm-hmm. about her waking Persephone event. And that happens on the 24th. Is, do you remember that, Pagan? Yes. Okay. I believe that is the 24th. Yes. Yeah, it should be because that's that'll be the weekend following it. So folks will hear it on Monday mm-hmm. and then the event happens that weekend. We'll get all the details from her, including how you can become a, a, a part of that. We will be there as press. She got us press passes mm-hmm. again. Laura, we love you. Thank you so much. I mean, yes, thank you. Your faith in us has inspired us to no end. So thank you uh, for giving us press passes to Witches Sabbath last year and really keeping our making our dream even bigger than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's going to be really, really freaking fun. I cannot wait to speak with her. We've got Storm Fairy Wolf lined up. You might have seen Storm interviewed written style, text style up on the blog. He was in the middle of writing a book before, still is, taking some time out to get on a uh, verbal chit chat with us. Matt Oren's coming on, I think, actually, the two weeks following. So he'll be on that, like, meeting yes. two weeks later, uh, which is really cool because it all leads us up to the Witch's Sabbath and... Just wonderful stuff. Michelle Belanger will be at Waking Persephone. Then Michelle Belanger's House mm-hmm. Keperu event takes place. And I think that's July. We're probably yes. going to be there. Details coming on that. Are you keeping up, folks? Because this, I, I'm barely <laughs> keeping up. Okay, we're barely lot. keeping up. This is why we write everything down. We have a very detailed calendar and all that. We we have a lot of people in the wings that you guys are going to get to hear from. And it's going to be amazing. And as we continue to do with the do these events, there's going to be a lot more people, hopefully, waiting in the wings to do interviews with us. So, lots. Your ear holes open, I guess. <laughs> yeah, blog posters. If you've ever thought about writing for a blog, we're very interested in guest posts. So, if you already mm-hmm. got a site that's up that you could send us some of your uh, writing, or if you have writing samples in other ways. We're always very interested in that. We've got a couple of those coming from our guest folks, one on the ethics of ghost uh, investigating and one on the Devil's Gate Dam tied into Jet Propulsion Labs and Jack Parsons. Some interesting things that go on over there. And that finally segues me to my very last housekeeping note for today, which is to talk about this lovely ESP group and the membership society we've been building. So we, we took ourselves off of Patreon 
we got ourselves our own website going on. This has been happening for a couple months now. I have seen huge over uh, overhauls in the last couple weeks. It has a gorgeous new mm-hmm. face to it, the site. The blog area has been updated under the news tab. We've got a lot happening. But more so, we've been focusing on this membership page. First of all, the role of founder, the name, is going to be gone probably this July because this July is our show's one year anniversary. So because our birthday is coming up, we're going to be doing a lot for it. This means your final chance to get that that title. If you do not have founder by the time July rolls around, uh, that rule will not be re-obtainable, if that makes sense, if that's a word. So make sure to grab it then. There will be other things. We're going to be adding a higher level tier in there. Uh, we really love the idea of having advisory folks that see themselves a little bit as investors in this because we've had some interest in that. Uh, I've had that over on Patreon specifically, some people trying to invest through there. So we're going to bring some of those higher level tiers over this way. Our $20 tier is most definitely our most popular with folks. They absolutely love that one. That now has a two-week trial attached to it. So you get in there and get two free weeks of that tier, no cost to you. Really nice, though, because we know blind Patreon subs can feel dangerous at times when you don't know what you're getting. This case, you absolutely see it. You test it. Get in touch with us, get your roles and things. We'll happily get you sorted. That level's gonna be the one that ties in heavily with our ESP program, the 20 and above. Because again, yes. we're looking at um, getting observers to help us keep notes and records. We're looking for participants in it. We've got a nice chunk of those already. But this is something we wanna, uh, this is gonna be our member project, if you will. It's kind of how I'm thinking of it is this ESP group will be a member project where we pull in outsiders that we know and love who are very trusted people in the field, very, very big experts that have done stuff with remote viewing, who've done stuff with energy work. We want to bring them in for some lectures. We want to work in these movie nights that I, I may or may not have even mentioned yet in here, but we're talking some movie <laughs> nights. Uh, we're, we're really roping it all together. And I'd like to do it where we spend about a month or two working on a specific field and then kind of move over to a new experiment and kind of work with that for a certain amount of time. And we'll be working with people on probably a weekly basis. Those are participating weekly or biweekly, depending on the workload and what we want people to do. But I just got a hold of some really cool CIA tapes, Pagan, and I can't wait for people to listen to those because those meditations are something. And you do a ton of meditations mm-hmm. over on Pagan's Witchy Corner of the podcast. So folks aren't I already do. listening to that. 100% get subscribed. There is actually going to be a new, by the time this one, this episode launches, there is actually a brand new trans meditation out. You get to take a wonderful guided walk through the woods of your brain slash astral realm. So it's going to be very nice. It's very relaxing. It's a great uh, connection to the universe. It's a great connection to your internal sides. So go check it out. It's going to be lovely. Times. That is amazing. Also, there's beautiful video that i made to go with it on my youtube so there go to the uh, revelator network.com slash news and that is where you will find the blog post to associate with that and you can go watch that gorgeous video that took me literally like four days to make but it's so beautiful and i'm super proud of it so (laughs) heck yes please go and support please go and get subscribed We're working on some ad-free feeds as well, including a way you can Mm -hmm. refer friends and get access to cool stuff totally for free just by, like, sending your friend a, a, hey, listen to the show link. 
or talking to a company about that. I, I'm very sorry <laughs> that in the month of, this is a personal apology from me that I've just rambled so much in the month of April about all these new opportunities. However, it is the time for that. We are just sitting on this powder keg of awesomeness. So many things mm-hmm. are just waiting to explode and 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 give us the best opportunities. Again, between the tons of invites to people's cons and, and, and conventions and just all that different awesomeness there. We've got the people that are going above and beyond in the volunteer group, bringing in all these different concepts and different strengths to the table. Thank you from the bottom of my heart to them. And uh, to you, Pagan, thank you for being here for every episode, bringing your best to the table, because I'm madly in love with what we've been creating, and I cannot wait to have our our audience join us more on that. If you want to chat with us directly, our new place is gilded.gg forward slash RPN. Your roles from the membership website stuff sync over. You could join all of our secret groups that are over there. We got the Revelator Investigative Society all set up for our volunteers. We got the psych group set up there to get involved with the ESP. Pagan's got her uh, room set up for her show, as well as my Stellaris mm-hmm. one. There's the Valheim show. So if you're gamers, check that out. I haven't been doing too much with the Communist Corner lately because I've been working on all this. But that's in existence and up there. Chaos and Shadow has its room. And that does it for me on this one, Pagan. I'm just going to tell people to go check out those bonus audio episodes that come out for members. Because those are up on the site. Yes. And there will be a bonus one for this as well. So get listening, everyone. And we'll chat with you very soon. Stay safe out there, folks. Yes. Stay safe, everyone. And we love you all. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Yes. Goodbye, folks. Are you enjoying listening to the Revelator Podcast Network? Support this show and others by going to revelatornetwork.com. We've got five shows and growing with Chaos and Shadow, Pagan's Witchy Corner, Kyle's Communist Book Club, Kyle's Valheim Bulletin, and Stellaris Emergency Broadcast. We've got something covered for the occult lovers, the gamers, and soon to be many, many more. Make sure you subscribe to that blog while you're there. Don't miss out on our newsletter if you become a member. We're doing ad-free feeds, bonus audio episodes, member badges, and roles on our exclusive Gilded server. Find everything you need at revelatornetwork.com.